Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 97. In today's podcast, how to remove dog tear stains naturally. Did you consider laser therapy for your dog or cat? Signs that your cat has diabetes and what you can do about it. Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. I'd sure appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Questions or comments, feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. And lastly, I encourage you to get a copy of my free book. It's called Natural Health for Dogs and Cats. You can get that by going here, www.veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Now let's get right into today's podcast. How to use coconut oil to remove dog tear stains. Well, what are tear stains? Before you successfully treat your dog's tear stains, it's important to know like what caused tear stains in the first place. Well, as the name suggests, if your dog has an excessive eye discharge, tears, these rusty colored spots will form beneath your dog's eyes. Your dog's saliva and tears contain a type of pigment that's very rich in iron, and this makes the fur grow darker whenever it's exposed to air. The longer the agent stays in the fur, the pigment, the darker the stains become. These stains generally appear under a dog's eyes, but occasionally they're gonna surround the eyes and run all the way down to the muzzle and the cheeks. You know, some of the breeds with the small pushed in faces, such as the Pomeranians, they're very prone to tears because of the way their faces are structured. But in some cases, it's not just the structure of their face or perhaps that even the tear ducts are blocked. It can be secondary to a thing such as allergies. Regardless, what's happening is you have all these tears, you have a moist environment, and it's the perfect environment for yeast and bacteria to grow. If your dog has a really light coat, you know, such as these guys with the white fur, it's just so obvious. You see like these unsightly tear stains. And there's something most of us would like to do something about. Well, the first big thing is looking at some of the potential causes of tear stainings in dogs. I always suggest first it's a great idea to go visit your veterinarian first. When they'll put a drop of this water-based stain, it doesn't hurt, it's very safe. They can actually then check to see if your dog's tear ducts are blocked. Because when they put a drop of the stain in the eye, it should then drain in to the nose. And if they don't see this bright fluorescent green stain draining into the nose, then we can say, okay, the tear ducts are blocked. And that is the most common cause of epiphora or excessive tearing. In other cases, a certain percent of the dogs can have an underlying allergies. And as we know, allergies are just so prevalent and so common today. I always suggest first, it's a great idea to one, you know, look at doing some form of a diet change. You'll get your dog on a better quality food. Consider doing some type of food trial. Even better, consider making some of your dog's food at home and or feeding raw. Wipe away. It's a good idea to use a damp cloth to wipe off the crust discharge around the nose and the eyes. If the corner of the eye is red and inflamed, you can also use a topical anti-inflammatory such as aloe or an aloe calendula cream. A cloth soaked in black tea is another option. I really encourage every dog parent to be using some form of topical compress or trying to open up those blocked tear ducts. A really simple thing is just a hot cloth, allow it to cool just enough that you can touch it and then put that in the corner of your dog's eyes. Do that twice a day for a week, lots of guys, that's just enough to help open it up. 
You could also consider a topical anti-obstructive herb. What is one that's really simple, easy, inexpensive? Rolled cabbage is a great option. So you just take a little portion of a cabbage leaf, roll that, and apply that twice a day, rolling a new piece of cabbage every morning. Do that for a week or two weeks. In some cases, that's enough to help open up the blocked tear duct. Consider CBD or cannabis oil. It is, you know, it's the non-psychoactive portion of the cannabis plant. It's also a great anti-inflammatory. Um, when we're looking at anti-inflammatory doses, we're looking at three milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily, and that will be one drop per day of my supplement, Dr. Jones's Ultimate CBD for Dogs and Cats. I also want you guys to consider probiotics. So these are the natural, healthy, good bacteria. Most of the time we think about them within the intestinal tract. I mean, that's where the probiotics are. But it also seems that they can help modulate inflammation throughout the body. And what I've seen is in pet parents that start to supplement with a good quality probiotic, in many cases, they're seeing less incidence of tear staining. And it's just not as prominent. So they're seeing less tears and less staining. Exactly. How is that working? Well, I think the primary method is that it's decreasing inflammation. You get less inflammation, less tear staining. It seems to be the most effective supplement is lactobacillus acidophilus. The big thing is you need to be using therapeutic doses, and that's a minimum of 100 million CFUs for 10 pounds of body weight daily. And this is found in my supplement, Ultimate Canine Health Formula and Ultimate Canine Advanced Health Formula. Now let's get on to coconut oil. What's interesting is many dog parents are finding that they can use coconut oil as the sole treatment for treating these dog tear stains. You can go ahead and do all the things I've suggested. You can do a proper elimination diet, but in some cases, staining the tearing is still happening. You can see a veterinarian, they can prescribe a tetracycline-based antibiotic. Sure, in some cases that'll help the tear staining, but it can have a whole host of secondary side effects. And it's just not a good idea for your dog to be on an antibiotic long-term. By comparison, coconut oil, it's super safe for our dogs. And there's also specific health benefits in some cases. Coconut oil possesses antifungal, antibacterial properties that help hinder the growth of bacteria if applied topically to your dog's skin. The coconut oil itself also creates a sort of protective shield that repels the tears and won't let them soak into the skin. Coconut oil is also the active ingredient in numerous stain removers. If you're gonna be using coconut oil on your dog, the best idea is to get unrefined organic coconut oil. Some of the non-organic brands, they're gonna contain a lot of nasty chemicals, etc., that can irritate your dog's skin and eyes. So if you're especially are using small amounts around your dog's eyes, get a good quality organic brand. So how to start doing this? Well, first, before you start applying the coconut oil, you need to be first cleaning your dog's tear stains. Make sure the area is as dry as possible. Use something simple like a makeup pad or a cotton cloth and wipe the tear stains dry. If your dog is comfortable with it, you should also trim the hair around the eyes. Just use a blunt tip scissors. Trimming also makes it easier to apply the coconut oil to the skin and make it work more effectively. So before you try and first clean your dog's tear stains, just make sure your dog is comfortable. You have him or her sitting on your lap. Maybe have him just taking him for a short run. Like, okay calm and quiet as possible. If you've been using CBD, it's a great idea to give that about an hour before you're gonna try to clean that and apply the coconut oil to the tear stains. Now it's time to apply the coconut oil. You can just put a little bit on the end of your finger and just wipe a, a small portion just in the corner of each eye, in the left eye, the, the right eye. You wanna make sure that you cover the whole stain area and you do it with both eyes. 
if you're using your hands, just make sure they're washed and cleaned ahead of time. You don't want to be applying more bacteria to your dog's skin, your dog's fur. I tried using like cotton wipes, gauze pads. It's hard to apply it directly. I really think it's ideal just to use your fingers, but just make sure they're cleaned first. Be consistent. You're never going to eliminate your dog's tear stains unless you keep doing this. This means you need to be applying the coconut oil twice daily for a minimum of 10 to 14 days. And for a majority of dog parents, they are seeing a pretty dramatic improvement, but you've had to stick with it for a full 14 days. Lastly, consider adding coconut oil and another good healthy fat krill oil to your dog's diet. Coconut oil is great for your dog's skin, but also provides plenty of benefits when added to your dog's diet. It can help boost your dog's immune system, helping fight the bacterial and viral infections. A simple dose of a quarter of a teaspoon daily uh, for a small 5 to 10 pound dog. You should also consider adding in another healthy anti-inflammatory fat in the form of salmon oil, but I think krill oil is even much better. It's got high levels of EPA, DHA. An easy way to use is my krill oil supplement, Dr. Jones's ultimate omega-3 supplement for dogs and cats. What are some of my closing thoughts? Well, first of all, consider using coconut oil. It's a great natural alternative. It can help deal with tear stains. It's healthy for your dog. It helps fight yeast and bacteria, and it can stop the moisture from soaking into the skin, eliminating the stains. If you've never tried it, I encourage you to do so. Super safe, and I'd love to hear your feedback if it's worked for you and your dog. Should you be considering laser therapy for your pet, for your dog, for your cat? What is cold laser therapy? Cold laser therapy is low-intensity laser therapy that stimulates healing while using low levels of light. The technique is called cold laser therapy because the low levels of light aren't enough to heat your dog's body's tissue. The level of light is low when compared to other forms of laser therapy. Both surgical and you know, aesthetic lasers heat the tissue being treated. True to its name, cold laser therapy does not. It's also known as low-level laser therapy, LLLT, low power laser therapy, soft laser biostimulation, and photobiomodulation. Exactly how does it work? Well, during this procedure, different wavelengths and outputs of low level light are directly applied to a targeted area. The body tissue then absorbs the light. The red and near infrared light cause a reaction and the damaged cells respond with a physiologic reaction that promotes regeneration. Superficial tissue is commonly treated with wavelengths between 6 to 700 nanometers. For deeper penetration, you know, i.e. trying to get into these dogs, their knee joints after ACL surgery, we're looking at wavelengths between 780 and 950 nanometers. Although your dog is going to feel the laser device touching the skin, the procedure is painless and non-invasive. There's going to be no sound and your dog or cat, they're not going to feel any vibration or heat. Each treatment typically takes only a few minutes. Some of the benefits that they're seeing in animals is that it's providing pain relief, also known as analgesia. It's decreasing inflammation through modulation of the immune and inflammatory responses. It's been used to improve wound healing, treat snake bites, decrease pain and inflammation resulting from musculoskeletal conditions, improve neurologic function after trauma or injury, treat stomatitis and other oral inflammatory conditions, treat intraoperative and postoperative inflammation, and enhance healing of sport-related injuries. So how does it work? Well, studies have shown that cold laser therapy alters the inflammatory responses and affects cell signaling. It reduces the pain and inflammation of osteoarthritis and joint disease. 
you know, it decreases inflammatory markers, such as interleukin-1, tumor necrosis factor, and prostaglandins. It decreases inflammation in tendons and ligaments while increasing tensile strength, collagen size, and fibroblast production. Research has shown that after ACL transection and subsequent tibial plateau leveling osteotomies, cold laser therapy reduces cartilage degeneration and synovial inflammation. It's also been shown to accelerate bone healing and promote recovery of muscles that have worn down or atrophied. For all these different reasons, I mean, it really is an ideal form of therapy for joint disease because it decreases pain, decreases markers of inflammation, reduces swelling and edema, increases joint mobility and function, it stimulates the production of collagen. Then it can also allow for a decreased dosage or frequency of pharmaceutical uses, i.e. less non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So how would your veterinarian go about treating your dog? So before treatment begins, you wanna make sure that your dog or your cat is wearing protective eyewear and is comfortable and appropriately positioned. You wanna make sure that the veterinarian can access both sides of the joint. In general, passive range of motion therapy where they're passively moving, say flexing and extending, say the knee joint, before and after cold laser therapy is a great idea to ensure improved function. In general, they'll clip the area to allow best penetration of the light to, to penetrate into the underlying tissues. However, if clipping is not possible, then what they may do is it then just increase the dosage or the strength of the cold uh, laser therapy. One of the big things is when they're treating, say, a specific joint, like i.e. the knee, you want to be treating a broad area, not just exactly localized on the knee. So they're treating surrounding muscles and tendons, as well as satellite areas of pain. So in summary, you should be considering cold laser therapy as just a valuable treatment option to treat the variety of joint and health conditions in our dogs and cats. The one thing I would suggest is seek out veterinarians that have experience using uh, cold laser therapy. Right? You want ones that have done it before, they can show you they've got good results. But that being said, I really think it's a good holistic option. The signs that your cat has diabetes and what you can do about it. Diabetes, also known as diabetes mellitus, it's a disease of high blood sugar and typically middle-aged overweight cat on a high carbohydrate or kibble diet. It's on the rise. That's what my own cat Murray has. There's two types of diabetes. There's type one and type two. Type two one is where your body is just not producing enough insulin. And it's more commonly seen in our dogs. In cats, typically it's type two. So their pancreas is still producing insulin but their cells do not respond to the insulin. That means the blood sugar, which is circulating in the blood, just can't get into the cells themselves. So then when this happens and we see elevated levels of blood sugar, your cat, hence your cat is diabetic. What are the, some of the early signs of diabetes in cats? Number one, excessive urination and thirst. Where you're seeing these middle-aged cats, they're urinating frequently. The kidneys are attempting to remove the excess glucose from the body through the urine. The high concentration of glucose pulls excess amounts of water into the urine. Increased urination can mean high body water losses, possible dehydration, and increased thirst. Number two, increased weight loss and appetite. When a cat has diabetes, cells can no longer absorb the glucose from the blood appropriately. As a result, starved cells will trigger the breakdown of fats and proteins available in the body as an alternative energy source. Your cat may lose weight in a failed attempt to fill the void left after burning fats and proteins, and as a result, their appetite increases. Number three, the inability to jump and loss of interest. 
Sometimes just the loss of your cat being interested in you and his environment is a subtle sign. And this leads to point number four, changes in gait. Diabetes in cats can lead to weakness, which may make them walk flat on the backs of their hind legs. I often saw this in veterinary practice. It's a real big marker. Like, what's going on here? So following the elevated blood sugar, it affects their nerves called neuropathy. And it's specifically affecting their hind legs. First, it's a big marker like, okay, your cat may have diabetes. Secondly, you want to treat it because if it's left untreated, it may result in permanent paralysis. Fifth point, really big sign to watch for, you know, lack of appetite, vomiting, and lethargy. So if diabetes progresses, it's not treated, your cat can get really sick. It can lead to all these secondary changes, uh, most notably ketosis, right? Affecting their liver. In fact, all the different body systems, it can lead to vomiting, liver disease, lost appetite, lethargy. Some guys can even go into uh, signs of shock. It's something you want to be aware of if you suspect there's something going on with your cat, you know, such as PUPD, increased drinking, increased urination. Take your cat in to see your veterinarian. They can do a bunch of different blood tests, but pretty simply they can check the urine. They can check it for blood sugar. You can go to your uh, pharmacy, get a urine stick and check your cat's urine for sugar. If it's quite elevated, you probably have a diabetic cat. So you need to go see your veterinarian. They're going to do appropriate tests. Secondly, pretty much all cats start on insulin therapy first, right? Do we need to control their diabetes first? Then the next big thing is what is on to you. So you've got to one, really alter your cat's diet. So the first big point, which I did with Murray is stop all kibble, only animal protein, no carbohydrates. Murray only eats canned food. He gets some of my homemade food, some raw food. Animal protein is what he gets. No more kibble. If he sneaks into the uh, the boot room, get some of my dog Tula's food, which she, some of her diet is kibble, he could start urinating again, having diabetes. So no kibble, the first big point. Number two is changing the water to nettle tea. There's a bunch of di- different studies on some of the nutrients within nettle have been shown to be really beneficial for people that have type 2 diabetes. And guess what? That's what Murray has. That's what most cats have. So it's a real simple thing. You just make yourself a cup of nettle tea. You drink a little bit, put the rest into your cat's water, and that's what they have for the day. You've got specific things within the nettle itself can help control these type 2 diabetics. It's a really great option. Simple, inexpensive, and I'm doing that for Murray. Seems to be helping. My third big point is giving your cat additional probiotics and additional colostrum. Both of those nutrients have been studied to once again be beneficial for our animals that have type 2 diabetes, and that is our cats. The probiotics seem to give an anti-inflammatory benefit. We get decreased inflammation within the cells because they think in many cases the reason your cat becomes a type 2 diabetic is he's got too many carbohydrates, produces these inflammatory responses. The cells no longer respond to insulin. Okay, you decrease the level of inflammation, the cells can respond to the insulin that's present, they can start to absorb some of the blood sugar. Awesome. The second supplement I just mentioned was a colostrum. Well, colostrum is comes from mother's first milk, but what it seems to do is modulate metabolism. We'll have athletes taking colostrum because it increases metabolic rate. If we can modify the metabolism, once again, we can decrease the amount of fat, increase the amount of muscle mass. Seems to once again then, allow the cells to recognize the insulin that's present and start to absorb blood sugar. Another good way, just so happens that in my supplement, Ultimate Feline Health Formula, I've got additional probiotics and additional colostrum. 
that's what I'm giving Murray as well. And those are kind of my three big core things that I'm using with my own cat to help him overcome his diabetes. He's completely off of insulin. I encourage you to try that on your cat. So my supplement is available at www.thecatsupplement.com. So that concludes today's podcast. This is podcast 97. Thanks a lot for listening, you guys. Any questions or comments, you can send me an email at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com or leave a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. This is Dr. Jones.